0: Ben, thanks so much for being here today, brother. Hey, Dakota, how are you? I'm doing all right, man. How are you? Good. All right, man. Well, let's go ahead and get get this thing kickstarted. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Ben. What it is you do in the hobby? What it is you collect, etc.
1: Sure. So, uh, I am one of those new to the hobby bandwagoners from 2020. So, <laughs> I uh I had a little bit of cards as a kid. I opened a few packs and stuff. I had some uh probably more Pokemon than sports. Sure. As um, just like everybody my age probably did. But, uh, yeah, I hopped back in in 2020. I was kind of interested. I've always been interested in sports, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. I watch a ton of sports, and I, you know, me and my friends always, we almost keep, like, a tally of our takes and who's right and who's wrong, but there's not, like, a good way of keeping the score. So I was kind of into the idea of cards as, like, a way to make a bet, you know, on a player, on a player's mm-hmm figure out you know not necessarily as a money-making thing but more as like a pride thing you know just to say hey i i called this guy was going to be good before before he was
0: good and i ended up stacking up a bunch of his cards and you know trying to profit on it or something so yeah i bet a lot of people can relate to that because like i know there's been times i don't really play it anymore but i used to play da- daily fantasy a little bit and like uh, it's like all right i keep betting this guy and i'm like he's gonna break out and do this guy's a stuff <laughs> And then it doesn't happen that year, and you're like, "Crap, I lost so much money." And then, like next year, he breaks out and he's a monster, but you didn't yeah. make any money, you know. And you're like, "Well, no one's gonna believe me." So. Yeah, exactly. The, I never got into daily fantasy mostly because right as daily fantasy got popular, I
1: ended up getting married, and like I wasn't about to like throw a lot of money at that when I had a new wife and a baby coming. So,
0: oh yeah, yeah. What? Uh, tell us a little bit about what what you got going on behind you. That's it. Looks a pretty sweet setup back there. What? What? What's oh up yeah.
1: Yeah, we we built these shelves myself. There's some there's some nice cards up there and then there's some kind of you know not so nice cards, but yeah. We've got uh we've got a Steph Curry tops up there and then a bunch of Mariners.
0: I see well, that we- Steph, is that in a BGS Gym Mint?
1: No, I wish man. Uh there's an eight
0: five. Eight five. We'll do the focus
1: thing I see on YouTube all the time. Hey, look at that. Did yeah, it's miserable. <laughs> I suck at it anyway.
0: <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's a great I, I card. think it's
1: a clean looking 8-5. There, there's
0: maybe a surface issue. Is, is best Everybody's 8-5 deserves to be a nine, man. Oh shit. This is- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What when did you pick up that card? You know, what's the story on that card? When you pick it up and, and why did you pick it up? I picked it up in the
1: middle of summer, off season. So I don't know if this card is PC or if I'm trying to sell it or what. Uh, I picked it up cause I was like, no way Steph should be this undervalued. So I'm a Mariners fan, but uh, I've always seen like Steph is like, we, we always talk about, you know, who's going to be the goats and who's going to be like a really good player, but we're really trying to predict like who's going to be popular. yeah. Like who's likable and like popular and like, who's this generation going to like attract themselves to. I I think Steph Curry is the Ken Griffey Jr. of baseball or of basketball. Like, like he's, he's go, he's like close to goat level, superstar level for sure. But just like wildly popular in my opinion. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you were making a list of point guard, top point guards. I don't know how Steph isn't like a top three. Now, obviously I didn't see Oscar Robertson play, you know, or Jerry West, but, uh, I mean, he transformed basketball, you know? Everybody talks about how good LeBron is. When their careers are over, Steph Curry is going to have a bigger impact on the game than LeBron did. You know, Steph changed it. So. Yeah. So LeBron, LeBron, I mean, and, and LeBron's like way more expensive. So yeah. like,
1: even if it's close, Steph's yeah. the better buy. You know, I, first of all, I'm I'm jumping in here and I'm talking like you know flipper investment talk right away. And the the day after
0: I emailed you, you have made a video. You're like, I'm done flipping. So. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> so you can talk about what we like maybe. well i think the steph stuff is different i mean i'm just done with this like annual flipping thing yeah, yeah, you know yeah. trying to take advantage of the cycles because i think that's really i guess overplayed in the hobby and i think it's going to be hard to make money that way like basically i think you have to get lucky yeah. um but i think when you start looking at a longer horizon i think there's a lot more opportunity for purchases there and i think steph curry is, is a great example of one although his prices may have gone up significantly because he's looked pretty good this year i'm not sure but you know then russ wilson is the one i like to tout out there is like a guy that i think is undervalued that i'm buying now and you know i i would like to keep one or two in my collection but for the most part i would like to make money on those cards yeah yeah i mean i'm a big Russ guy so like, oh yeah I, that makes yeah. sense i guess it checks out <laughs> oh so, yeah
1: man i i uh i agree with you when i first started in this like i'm not gonna take a victory lap or anything because i didn't really make any money but i had the thought that i'm like Everything's overpriced. These base cards are way overpriced. This, it wasn't even base cards necessarily. It was like everything 2017 and on. I did just kind of
0: thought was was a little too expensive for just how much there's going to be, you know. And uh, that's it's smart to recognize, man. I, I didn't recognize that till really like this, um like February ish uh, mm-hmm. when I start looking at because I liked Select when it came out, Select Football, but then you just realize, man, they just printed this stuff to the moon, and then you're like, if this is their less printed product which obviously hit retail this year i understand but still it like really opens your mind or your eyes up to how much they're printing and uh yeah i just think it's a waste of time to to put money into this this newer stuff i had a feeling that that was going to be
1: the case so i was like okay so what am i going to do about it and uh so i was like okay i'll buy a little more you know like your dead area or dead era yeah but i was like i was definitely going to try to buy some of that and then i looked it up and i was like it was kind of expensive for a guy just starting out.
2: Mm -hmm. So
1: I ended up kind of compromising with myself and I bought a bunch of Tatum, which was like, he's not quite this massively
0: overprinted, you know? Yeah. He's not, he's not ultra modern. He's definitely, his print runs are more in line with 2010 than
1: 2018. So yeah, it's on its way though to, to that, you know? So I bought some of that and, and made a little money. And then, and then when all the goat stuff was happening, I bought some Chris Paul and made some money. But other than that, I haven't made a lot of money. I just keep putting that money in. But, yeah, it's fun. I, I want to know watch.
0: what what else is up on that shelf, man. I see a lot of the same pictures. So oh, I see the Tatum. I see Tatum Optic.
1: You got some Tatum Select.
0: Oh, is that Select? Yeah, so
1: that's yeah. Select Premier. I've got uh, Show you this one. This is the best Tatum I've got left. I don't have any huge cards. I'm not. But this is my best Tatum. It's my Select Tri-Color. I mean that seems pretty big. I, know. <laughs> I, mean, I don't great. know what's up. So, this is a cool card, man. I, yeah. I, I, I love this card. I think it's a, it's like a little color matchy with the green,
0: but it's you know. a good it's a good color scheme they got going there. I like it. I'm a I'm a big green and teal guy. Oh, okay, all right, fair enough.
1: All I, my Seattle sports. You get all yeah.
0: your you get your Mariners flavor on all your cards. I like it.
1: Exactly, exactly. So yeah, I got I got that. I picked that up for way too much. Like, <laughs> I, I bought that from a guy on Instagram. And uh, I paid like three seventy five for it because there was an auction that had like a day and a half left, and it was at like one eighty. And I was like, "Oh, this is gonna go way over." Plus, I yeah. really wanted that specific card, and so I bought it for like three seventy five. The auction ended at one eighty. <laughs> oh my gosh! So,
3: <laughs> that hurts, man. Yeah,
1: that 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 was rough. But it's it's probably I, I got a offer for 350 a few weeks ago that i should have taken now i'm stuck with it for a while
0: eh, you but. like the card you like the card it's, it's okay a cool card. it's a cool card but yeah if someone wants to take those
1: base ones off my hand i wouldn't say
0: <laughs> that. Uh, yeah
1: man oh there's a yeah i got
0: a I, I don't know i didn't think we'd just be showing off
1: cards but i'm happy to Here's,
0: i uh, see kyle lewis up there is that what you grabbed yeah that's
1: I got that on star stock it's a, it's a PSA ten for twenty bucks. I couldn't say Ooh, no. nice yeah i got a Kyle Lewis got me back in the hobby, so we got a so me me and my wife just had a, well we had a baby about a year ago actually yeah. just a year ago it was his birthday so we were still pregnant or she was pregnant I wasn't doing anything and uh my my little brother-in-law he got a he got a pack of cards and he pulled a Kyle Lewis numbered card. And I was getting nostalgic. Kyle Lewis was looking like Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, was, yeah, like, you were feeling I it. I was doing this like father-son thing. I was getting emotional. I was like, bro, I'll buy that card off of you. It was like a numbered card. Turns out it's like a Panini card, and it's not mm. worth anything. I I just, sight unseen, I said, I'll give you 25 bucks for that just to help him out, pay for the, the box of cards he just bought or whatever. So that's the first card I bought. That's a PSA. I think, I hope it'll get a ten. But... Hey, you might get it back by next year, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I... Kyle Lewis kind of got me back into this. He was on, he was on fire right when I started in the hobby, And then, uh, yeah, he, he got hurt a few times. So, but
0: keep What about uh, Kalinic or Julio? You like either of those guys? Oh,
1: dude, I, I, I've got a, I got a lot of Julio at PSA right now. Hey, that's uh, good. Well, not a lot. I got like six crumbs of PSA, and then I got this auto that I love. Mio was showing a Bowman's Best, I think, Soto auto.
0: But this is a uh, – Oh, yeah, sweet that's nine five, ten. man that's a sweet card right there i love this card it's yeah I, is that 2018 uh this
1: is 2019 his first mm-hmm. game is 2019 so it's the same year as his first bowman but uh yeah yep. yeah i'm a big julio guy big helmet guy uh my my biggest baseball card is probably my noel v refractor auto
0: dang yeah, it's pretty. I can't cute. sell
1: any of these damn Mariners though,
0: so <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, man. It's so easy to buy stuff, and then it's just like, yeah, I'll sell this when it goes up. And then it goes up, and you're like, you yeah, know, I kind of like the card, you know, we'll just sit on it for a second, see what happens.
1: I actually have a story about this. You were, I was watching your video about trading up into bigger cards, or like you were, you were in a live or something talking to Neo about it, and uh, I actually executed the the flip a flip a lower end grade into a higher end grade, but you know you're saying it's like tough to do you have to be willing to like not own the card for a few months right yeah so like i think i bought a i bought a base psa 9 auto and uh sold that for a profit then i sat around waited for it to go back down then bought a refractor psa 9 sold that and then existed without the card for a few months and then bought this
0: so It it can work, but yeah, you can't just trade up a 9 into a 5. I just feel like so many people say, I'm going to buy this PSA 5 so that one day I'll trade it up to a PSA 7. And I feel like, at least from my perspective, when people say that, they think that the card's going to go up in value. They're going to cash in their 5 and immediately buy a 7. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. If the (laughs) 5 went up, so did the 7. You might as well buy the 7 today because if you expect the card to go up, it's only going to be more expensive.
1: I bought a house three years ago. I'm just like, oh, man, this house is up 50%. I'm killing it. It's like my, I was telling my dad, I was like, maybe they'll sell it. He's like, you got to have a place to live, bro. Like,
0: Yeah. You
1: well, know, the house, you got to have – the next house you buy has gone up too, so it doesn't – Yeah, really-
0: you know, a big – man, thing, and I'm – don't tell my family this. I mean, I shouldn't say this, but I, I'm thinking about moving to Colorado or Montana or something. Like, as long as you got fiber, one gig internet, that's all I need. Because when we moved from Austin to Houston, we moved because we made so much money on our house, and it doesn't make sense to sell your house if you're going to live in the same area because everything went up yeah, in price. Right. To your point, but when we moved to to Houston, you know the the home prices were much cheaper, so we get to actually uh, realize some of those gains instead of just putting it into the next house. I mean, I don't know, man. Montana's calling my name. I want to go live up in those mountains. I grow out this beard, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Montana's a cool place. We're not too far. We're here in Eastern Washington, so.
0: Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's uh, a town I've always liked, man? And I've looked at Spokane. Spokane? Yeah. I'm from Spokane.
1: Yeah, I'm but... from Spokane.
0: Oh, yeah? Really? That's funny, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny.
1: Grew, grew up in Spokane. Big Z- I went to Gonzaga in Spokane. And, uh, yeah. yeah. We just had a big win last
0: night, college basketball. Stomped Texas. It was great. All right, man. What do you got going on in the hobby right now? What are you buying, flipping, collecting? What, what do you got going on? So
1: I'm having a hard time with, uh, you know, making a ton of money. So I'm trying to just get into some cards that I like. That's why you see the Noel V and the Steph. Um, the thing, the only thing that's making some money for me right now. Well, so first of all, I I made a big bet on Keldon Johnson coming into this year. Yeah. And uh, that hasn't worked out so good. So I, I did take some profits before the season, which was good. But like, I bought a ton of Keldon Johnson on Star um i probably owned at one point like half the optic base on Starstock. Dang, (laughs) that's crazy because they were buck man for a's and like 50 cents for b's man and then I, i you know i i sold a lot of it but i still have way too much and and you know my thought was you know he's gonna have a moment right he doesn't have to be good forever he just has to have a moment and like the problem is now if that moment's in the middle of February for the Spurs,
0: no one's going to see it, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I bought a little bit of Keldon too, and I feel like at this point, you know, if you didn't move out and make your money, then you're looking at selling him in the next offseason or the next season or something like that. So what I did was I, I, I bought
1: some Kelden, I made some money on Keldon, and then I was like, man, it's been really cool, like, following this guy. And, like, when he got on the Olympic team, there was a little pop, and I was kind of excited yeah. to watch him. So I took all the money I made in Keldon, and I just bought more Keldon. And
2: so on it. I'll my best Kelvin.
1: These cards aren't exp- – I mean, this one's kind of- expensive cards aren't too be- too expensive. Dang. Is that, is that a
0: flawless? What no. is it? It's not a flawless. That's encased. Encased. In- in- case. That's right. Uh, yeah. In case, do they come graded by BGS? Oh, yeah, maybe. I mean, well, yeah, I don't know. Chat, let us know if I'm off on that. I just, I feel like, I mean, every encased card I see is graded by BGS. I mean, I, I really don't know that I've seen one graded by PSA. I, I'm gonna tell you what, if 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 they come, that makes sense, right? They're called encased,
1: but if they come graded, I'm gonna be a little more bummed out because like, I think like, I was like, oh man, you get one of these thick cards, it gets a nine point five. Like they they had to ship it off to Keldon's presumably, and like he didn't ruin it, so like. I think it's cool
0: if you can get these cards, gem mint. Oh, uh, no, it's still a great gem mint, even because still a lot of those still get not. I mean, a lot of the ones that I've seen have been nines, you know, the silver BGS grader, too. So I see that's two BGS cards right now. you you a big BGS fan? What do we got going over here?
1: So I think, all right, so I got some
0: thoughts on grading, but like, all
1: right, let's go. Let's hear them. First of all, I'm like exhausted by grading conversations. I don't grade a lot of cards. I I said I had a bunch of at PSA and I got that Calos. I've sent 14 cards to PSA in one order. That's it, uh, <laughs> and I've never sent any cards anywhere else. Uh, but yeah, the, the whole grading thing to me it's weird that we're grading ultra modern cards that aren't super condition sensitive. Like, yep, they're all pretty good. Like, I don't
0: know. Yeah, if wait, get sorry, nines and tens. Yeah. Why did we grade them? You know. They're not even eights when you look at the pop reports, I mean probably ninety five percent plus is nine or ten you know i would I would say that if you have an ultra modern card and it's an eight, I would say that's a damaged card i mean you're 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 talking about the bottom five percent but you know the fifth percentile for quality for that card to me that's i mean that's kind of trash so I don't know so you've been around way longer than me,
1: so maybe you could speak to this a little, but like the idea that uh like why did grading become so necessary my my theory has always been like card sales used to occur in person right and you could look at a card and if a guy told you it was gem mint you could look at it and say that's not gem mint or it's not mint but like now card sales are online and so like there's people out there that'll scan you right you can't tell from a picture
0: if it's i mean you could tell if it's a seven versus a ten but that's about it right like so yeah i mean i think a lot of it has to do with authentication you know yeah. if if you think about grading and then you say, you know you look in the 90s and i mean it was, it was a lot of vintage and you say, you know, we're grading cards from the fifties and the sixties and stuff like that. You know, it makes sense, but then, yeah, I, I agree. The more and more I think about it, this grading of the ultra modern, it just doesn't make sense to me. I think that if you, if you want it in your PC and you want it encased, because like, I like, and I've got on my desk, I've got six, seven, I've got seven cases. Four of them are BGS or so three in that three are SGC. I like the way they look. I like the cards, you know, in that case. And frankly, I think that cards encased, you know, especially if you like the aesthetics of the case, they actually show better because it shows all the details for the cards, you know, up front. Now, you know, people in the hobby, they know the details kind of without having to look at the back of the card, or having to be told. But I just kind of like it. Right? I like the way it showcases. But short of that, you know, this whole this card's going to go up over time because it's a 10 or whatever. And it's, you know, I just I don't see it. You know, I, I think I think all this ultra modern stuff that's been graded to the moon is going to go down pretty drastically over the next decade. I I agree with you there. I I think it's a
1: it's kind of a poor understanding of what makes a card rare. Like condition rarity matters when condition rarity is a thing, right? Mm-hmm. So like like junk wax. Like I get grading junk wax cuz a lot of it was, you know, trash. And like and like I get grading, you know, like if I'm thinking about cards that I want graded, it's kangaroo Jr., it's Charizard, you know, like I those yeah. cards like those oh, cards yeah. were mass printed, but getting them in a ten is special. There's nothing special about getting Luca in a ten. Half the you know, that's half of his it.
0: population is a ten. You're yeah, right. You're right. You know, yeah. it's yeah. No, I agree with that. It's a good point, and I think TCG game, you know, Charizard, you know, Pokemon stuff like that. I think it's even more impressive getting that stuff in a ten. You know, just because it uh, was janky Pokemon cards, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man, <laughs> man, those prices. Are, well, they've dropped significantly. I bought two eight, two Charizard eights maybe back in march sometime in the spring and i saw i haven't looked in a while but i saw prices have come down i was kind of surprised because i was like man i feel like this stuff's gonna keep going up it got hit the same time so the the, the psa backlog for for
1: charizards it depends what you have right like but like the the uh, base set unlimited stuff it's just gonna, i i have one at psa uh,
2: yeah
0: yeah that's that's what it is i bought one for me and one for my buddy and it was it was the unlimited i could i mean I mean, I could afford a first edition. I couldn't swallow a first edition, I should say. So. Yeah. yeah. But hey, man, I freaking love that card. That's one actually needs to go on my desk because that one is freaking, I don't know, man. Those cards are special to me. You know, that's 99s when all that stuff was like coming out and stuff like that. And that's when I started with cards too, you know. And I started with Pokemon the same time I started with uh, sports cards. I just stuck with sports cards. So I think we're the same age. Yeah, I think it's
1: all the same here. But like uh, my story with my Charizard, it's at PSA right now uh i i pulled it from a pack that me and my brother were sharing my little brother so like we we were sharing all the cards in the pack and we pulled a charizard and it was it was my charizard and then i gave it to him for christmas one year and then he gave it back to me the next year so we've been going back and forth with it so i i can't sell that card ever but, like, no. There's, there's no chance that i'd ever sell it but uh yeah that's a that's a cool card that's you know, about stories for me anyway so i get sentimental
0: about stuff man I'm oh close, yeah man since that's- i had a kid one of my lessons I've definitely learned over the years is that if you have any sentimental value to a card, you don't sell it because you may think that you're okay with it, and then sometime later it's just gonna hit you it's like I shouldn't have sold that card. You know what was I doing? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what happens in the V here in Welvey Marte, and
1: uh, I just decided to buy another one. So. <laughs> I, say, I can't well, sell this one, so I buy another
0: one. I'll flip that one at some point. So
1: yep, yep. But yeah, the reason I've got BGS is is exactly what you said, right? Like a card and a slab, I think is important. But I think that the slabs themselves are overrated, so I'm going to buy a cheaper slab, right? I, yeah, this you can get these nine fives for half the price of these tens, and and I buy I, I'm I hate I buy min gems, right? Because PSA tens are, are are min gems a lot of the time, right? Like yeah. it's very clearly this has nine centering, and and you know it got held up by the corners and the the edges and stuff, and it's a ten. But like, yeah, I think min gems are undervalued. I think BGS is undervalued on the secondary market. I wouldn't grade with
0: BGS. I'm not crazy, but yeah, <laughs> no, no, I agree with you 100. I mean, I basically, I mean, I definitely, you know, look specifically for BGS and for SGC graded cards. I mean, this unitus I recently picked up. I've been buying a lot of this graded, you know, this jersey stuff, which yeah. I think you know people know. And I, I love the way this looks, and I love the way graded cards look and jersey cards look in a bgs lab and you get them at a discount compared to psa so i'm like that's a bargain I'm like yes please thank you I, I think i think raw ultra modern is is well would be
1: undervalued except for the fact that every decent looking raw ultra modern did get graded. So yeah. yeah yeah but yeah i i like bgs a lot i think their label's the best
0: um when they put it on straight but- yeah <laughs> that is an issue with them i do love their you know i I think some people don't like it but i like the different colors you know i like when that you've got a gem mint you know they put it in the gold label and then when you get a silver it's in the silver or a nine it's in the silver level i kind of i like that man well i don't know
1: it's funny right like i think the bgs gem mint label, i should say is the prettiest label well besides their black label i think that's cool too like this curry 85 You know, it's not
0: the prettiest, but that's okay because it's an eight five. Like it doesn't deserve to be the prettiest. Exactly. That's exactly how I feel, man. I love it. I love that it's a tier system, and when the card's better, it gets a better label. I like that. And there's something cool about the gold too, because it is a nine five scale. Like if I'm trying to flex these
1: cards to like my dad, he doesn't know that nine five is gem mint, but he knows that gold is probably good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I do think BGS, man. I've said it for a while now you know if you have a really nice card it deserves to go to bgs it deserves to be in a bgs slab and they have the best from a protection standpoint the bgs slabs are the best and they've got some uv protection which psa and sgc don't have so yeah i yep. like bgs
2: yep yep yep
1: yeah
0: yeah man but you asked about um i don't know if you
1: have any other thing you want to talk about but you asked about those mariners prospects i could i could uh give a little breakdown of how i feel about him if you're interested yeah let's
0: hear it Let, tell right, us so- about the clinic and uh
1: julio yeah so obviously this is gonna come with my teal colored glasses on but i'll i'll try so uh so Kelnick, he's like i think he's really good he's like your typical kind of new age baseball player like he's gonna swing and miss he's gonna when he hits the ball he's gonna drive it uh, this is I get to do a cool scouting report. I've never had anybody ask me this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he'll drive the ball right. He's gonna. He's got a lot of power, and um, he was he was kind of touted as this five tool athlete, and he's pretty athletic. But he didn't have like the crazy sprint speed that that I expected. Like he's mm-hmm. not on a ton of, of bags. I watched a lot of Mariners this year, but uh, he walks a lot. He strikes out a lot. He's just your classic like modern three true yeah. out type sure. of player you know so i think for baseball he's going to be really good because he's going to draw a lot of walks he'll have a high on base percentage with a low batting average right and i i think that works really well in real baseball mm. I think for cards people look at the they want that 290 300 batting average they want 35 steals you know they don't like the doubles power i
0: think kelnick's got like you know 25 30 home run power but not like 50 you know? eh, I'd be careful with these young guys. You know, if they're coming up hitting twenty home run power, you know, those guys turn into thirty five home run guys real they fast. They do, they do. But then they also move to the
1: corner outfield spots and to DH. And you I mean, he's stuff.
0: already in the corner outfield, isn't he? He's playing
1: center field this year. Oh, is he? I thought he was well, playing right. Kyle Lewis got hurt, so he's been stuck in center field. They got yeah, Anagui okay. right. Yeah. So, so he's supposed to have this athleticism, and I feel like. He'll go one way or the other, right? He'll either put on some weight and start to hit a lot of home runs, or, or he'll uh, stay lean and and you know be a gap kind of. He'll you know, put on weight, man. All these guys put on weight, good and weight, you know, in a good way. That's true. And he's kind of stocky, like he's not he's not Julio, who's like Julio's fast and and strong, and like he's got it all. I, I I'm I like Julio Rodriguez a lot, man. I think he's gonna be. Is a, he is he he's is he the number one prospect? Uh, it depends who you ask. Like I think Baseball America had him at one for a hot second, maybe, but I can't remember.
0: Yeah, they I'm number- gonna look it up. I thought he was one, but he may have yeah, he may have been bombed. The
1: problem is he's not like the um he's number two. I was gonna say I'm sure I, I knew he was one or two, but he's
0: yeah. But see, number one is Adley Rush- Rushman. Yeah, Adley. Yeah, man, I don't know. He's three years older than Julio. I got <laughs> Julio number one. Man, come on. I-
1: I do too, of course, but like I didn't want to cut, you know, paint paint your opinion there. But yeah, and from a card perspective, right? Like you've got Adley's, like a, you know, he's more of like the the patience at the plate catcher, like just a lot of red flags from a card perspective. Julio, Julio's got, <laughs> own, Julio's got his own like like YouTube channel, and like he's he's this he's very Gen Z kind of like I don't know, outgoing, crazy like. He's got like a, a, a logo. The dude has a logo that's and he's pretty sweet. Cool, years old. Like, I don't know. He, he, he's, he's got some marketing team that's got things figured out. I think he's going to be pretty popular. I feel like too often people just look at like the quality of the player and then they wonder why Rafael Devers doesn't have, you know, more value in his cards. It's like, yeah, but where's like, I don't know. Hype. Where's the hype? Yeah, I think yeah. Julio
0: will, will construct hype around himself for sure. Yeah, man, you definitely like if you're looking to prospect guys and stuff like that. I mean, if you're really prospecting, it's okay to get guys who are going to be like solid Hall of Famers, you know, you know, that aren't super popular. But like if you're really, you know, putting some big money on guys, you really want them to be able to drive hype and get some excitement around themselves in the market. Uh, Because, I mean, they just they explode, man. Wander Franco, Vlad, uh, Shohei, all of these guys, they just explode. Even if they aren't good players, they're going to. They're going to hit a home run accidentally in spring training, and their cars is just going to explode. Exactly. You win, you know? exactly.
1: That might have colored some of my – like, Keldon Johnson's a good athlete, and that's might have colored some of my decisions on him. Obviously, he's in San Antonio, so the hype doesn't exist there. But, like, yeah, that's why I bought some of
0: those hey, cars. I call him hobby darlings, man. There's just people that the hobby loves. And Keldon's on that list, which is kind of surprising because I don't know that he was a year and a half ago, but he certainly is now. And these guys, all they have to do is, you know – hit a, a three pointer in the corner to win a game and boom, the cards, you know, go up, you know, 70% overnight. It's wild. And I just think like, like, you know, um, I'm, I'm a big analytics nerd, like
1: uh, for baseball specifically, or I was, I guess maybe 10 years ago. I'm, I'm not hip to all the stat cast stuff necessarily. But yeah. Uh, I feel you there. But, uh, oh yeah. You mentioned you were like on those old Astros SB nation. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. They had some, they had some heavy hitters over there, man. Was that a, was Mike fast? Uh, Mike is, Fast
0: was there. Yeah, gonna like
1: This is going to be like turn off 90% of your audience, but that's the dude who like quantified pitch framing for the first time.
0: Yeah. We had, I'm telling you, I can't yeah. explain enough how amazing it was to be on that chat room because, you know, Astros SB Nation is called the Crawfish Boxes. We had some really, like you said, heavy hitting analytical minds there. These guys were connected to even Ken Rosenthal and stuff like that. You know, you talked about Mike Fast. I mean, we had some really big names on there, and I just learned so much. Through them about baseball analytics and I mean it just helped me analytically you know forget about baseball it helped me analytically in my, in my life it's pretty great.
1: Well, I'm like an analytics guy and and I got way into analytics and then I just got the press because the Mariners are usually bad and then like cards has been a nice way for me to be like back to where i was when i was like 13 or i'm just like oh man this guy's 330 hitter you know yeah. steals a lot of bases and then my analytical brain's like you know steals are probably stupid unless you're getting 90 percent of them maybe just play station to station a little more yeah. <laughs> you know me wants to kick my ass like i don't know yeah yeah i just uh I, yeah we have some big analytics guys in the mariners space too like dave cameron went to run fan graphs after he had a mariners site jeff Sullivan like yeah, there's some, some big analytics names on Mariners' uh, blogs back in 2010, maybe.
0: Yeah, it was – yeah, I don't know. It's all pretty interesting, especially at that time because I'm talking about, like, from – when did I hop on? I think I hopped on there, like, 2010, and I was still pretty active through about 2015. <laughs> so it was That's- the entire, like, Astros rebuild. It was our move from the NL to the AL. I just learned so much because there was so much happening. I mean, like, I will forever love, no one may understand this, but I will forever love Dallas Keuchel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one of the writers on there, C.R. Perry, it's 2013. He's like, this guy, Keichel's going to be a monster. And so I was buying Keichel stuff. You know, I'm like, I like him. He's got a beard. He didn't have a beard then, but he ends up getting one. And then, yeah, he he comes up to the big leagues. He's, he's whatever his first year. And then uh, this guy, Chris Perry, doubled down, and he's like, the, his numbers are amazing. You don't understand. I understand his ERA is like four or five, but his ground ball percentage, you know, which was all new. No one was talking about that shit. He's like, it's so amazing. And then the next year, I think he went out and won a Cy Young. You know, twenty fifteen. I think is when he won a Cy Young. It's just like, my goodness, you know. So I don't know. It was just a fun time. Yeah.
1: The Astros leaned hard into analytics. They hired like one how right, and he's an engineer or something. And yeah, they lean they leaned hard into it. Everybody thought they were crazy. Yeah, that was
0: good times for you probably not so much for me but yeah, yeah well it's not good times anymore i mean uh, we got one world series out of it and it's tainted so yeah a lot of fun that yeah, is poor so. thing it's with, your, with your one world series yeah <laughs> i mean i don't know if i i pro i would probably rather have zero than have one that everyone hates you for so yeah that's fair that's fair that's i don't fair. know you know and then anyway you know i want to see bagwell win one and he didn't win one so it's just never going to be the same no matter what so yeah, I
1: have a lot of like analytics related thoughts. I know I was watching one of your shows one time, and the guy was—I wish I could remember his name. You maybe help me, but he was talking about war, and he was kind of dissing on it a little. But he's like, "No, I don't. I don't mind war. You just have to tell me how it's calculated." Because
0: I'm Carlos. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. anti-war guy.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I was just like, "Oh man!" I was yelling at my screen. I was like, "It's not that hard."
0: <laughs> you know? I mean, like, he's—I don't know how to calculate it. You're right, but I also know that, like when I look at it, I've looked at it for, you know, over a decade now and like, I feel like it's a pretty good accurate number. Like I don't, I, I never look at this and I'm like, oh, this is clearly off. How could they say he played at an all-star level, pl- you know, level and stuff like that. You know, I think it's got a good track record. The problem with it, right, is that if you look at it
1: as an equation, it doesn't make sense. But if you look at the, what the terms in the, God, I'm gonna turn off your audience, man. If you look at the, the terms of the equation mean, each individual term makes sense, right? It's like, what is your offensive production? What is your defensive production? What mm-hmm. is an average player's offensive and defensive production? You, 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 know, you add those up, you subtract out average, and it makes sense. And, and like, then the question just becomes, okay, well, what do we decide to use for calculating offensive and defensive production?
0: And, right. You know,
1: and that's where I, fan
0: graphs and baseball reference differ, I guess.
1: So, yeah, I like um, – for hitters, it's not that big of a difference. I think the offensive production they they basically all use some. Stop me if this gets annoying. No, it's fine. Keep going. Of linear weights, right? Which means that stripping out all of the context, what is the value of each individual outcome that can happen from an event? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: To get an understanding of linear weights, you have to have an understanding of um, base out states. So there's 24 different situations you can be in when you're up to the plate you can have runners on first second third first and second second and third first second and third base is empty so that's eight
3: Mm all
1: right first and third's on there too so there's eight and then there can either be zero one or two outs sure every at bat moves you from one base out state to another base out state and then you just calculate the amount of runs over the course of decades that occur given a certain base out state and and uh you can basically average over time like how many runs did a player create? Mm-hmm. I don't know that maybe didn't make sense, but yeah it's it's uh it, it's simple when you think of it as a concept and not as the numbers the
0: numbers yeah, vary, for sure, yeah, I know I tried to calculate it man it a decade ago. I tried to calculate war, and I was like I, I, I'm not getting close <laughs> so I said, I, I'll just read it and it's but- fine. The difference in, in hitters is just defense, right? They've just got different tools for how they do defense.
1: One does – uh Fangraphs uses UZR, I think, still. Yeah, they still yeah, – I'm pretty sure. And Baseball Reference, I think, uses DRS, defensive Runs And and Do you, they,
0: you prefer one or the other?
1: I like Fangraphs' war for uh, hitters, including their defense. Um, they'll be the same for offense, and then their defense is valued differently. I like Fangraphs because – when i when i researched it 10 years ago UZR seemed like a smarter concept than hey same me. we must have came to the same conclusion yeah. that's exactly what
3: happened yeah
1: you're breaking the field into zones and what percentage of the play do you make in this zone and that zone and yeah so i i, I like UZR. i also like um how fangraft does a better job for catchers specifically and first baseman i think for pitch framing and stuff like that mm. and 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 uh saving bad infield throws for first baseman so i like i like FanGraphs for hitters, for pitchers. So FanGraphs makes the assumption they use field indi- fielding independent pitching, so they only measure you on strikeouts, walks, and then um, you know, home runs, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's is it park adjusted home runs too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so there's no defense involved at all. So right. if you're really good at inducing weak contact, FanGraphs will underrate you. Fangraphs makes the assumption assumption that a pitcher basically has zero control Ah. over over what happens when the ball is hit. They can miss bats or they can walk you, but you don't have much control. You don't have the ability to make weak contact. And a lot of the evidence shows that that's true for almost all players. But like once, so I I like Fangraphs pitcher war for like maybe the first five or six years of a guy's career. Mm-hmm. But if you've got a a ten year track record of you know Mariano Rivera, I'm just gonna induce a bunch of weak pop ups and ground balls. Then I'm then I'm gonna probably they don't, gonna... they don't incorporate ground ball into that at all. Um. So there's there's fielding independent pitching, which is FIP. Yeah, FIP. And then and and that doesn't incorporate the type of batted ball. This is this is old day. This could be changed by now. But then there's xFIP which um let just park adjusted right Next exp- adjusted is park adjusted based on the amount of flat balls you allow or mm. i think i think that's what it is it's, it, ma- it 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 makes the assumption that you can as a pitcher you can determine whether a batter hits a ground ball or a fly ball but if they hit a fly ball you have no control over how far they hit it and if it goes out or mm.
2: not
1: you get penalized for allowing long fly balls sure for- so i don't know i yeah I kind of like the, the, the baseball reference version of pitcher war is much more based around actual runs allowed. And so when you're talking about how good a player was, I like baseball reference. If you're talking about how good a player might be next year, there's a lot of evidence that shows that like FIP is actually
0: a better predictor. If that makes sense, Ben, we'll probably put this video out. I'll probably put it out tomorrow. And uh, I'll cut this piece out. It'll be its own segment. Yeah. I think the discussion on war is going to be good. So. You should, man. I mean, the three people that watch it are going to love <laughs> <this movie>. right. <laughs> it. Like,
1: you should cut it out because I'm an engineer, man. I, I love this stuff. Everybody's going to just be like, I don't know what this
0: guy's talking. Yeah, about. I have to send it to because I'm Carlos too. I'll be like, you need to talk to Ben because Ben will set you straight on war. Oh, yeah, he God, hates not. Mike Trout too. I, I can't say he hates. That might not be fair to him, but he at least enjoys ragging on Mike Trout saying he's not that special it's just because of war you know and he's like that's you know tell me what it is So Mike Trout is
1: like my take on Mike Trout is my same with my take on you know maybe Kelman like really really good baseball player but I can understand wh- like why the community's starting to sort of sour on him maybe a little from a collectability standpoint because we're not collecting these guys for how good they were it's how popular they were and to be popular is people like a winner or at least you know somebody who's competitive, and uh, yeah, he
0: hasn't won enough. So. I think, and in that same vein, you know, we just talked about Russ Wilson. I think Bryce Harper—that's to me the guy in baseball that is just wildly undervalued. He saw a little bit of an uptick with his MVP season uh, this year, but uh, you know his prices—I think have already come back down. At least I was looking at him a little while ago, and they seem to be back down again. I'm like, man, his stuff is so cheap, and he's so fiery. He's gonna win a—you know—he's yep. gonna push a team, you know. But uh, I don't know, maybe not. So you brought, you bought Bryce Harper.
1: Um, I bought Manny Machado. Like, I think that that dead era in baseball, like the only person that's come out of that era with, with cards that are expensive is Mike Trout. Like, I don't know anybody else.
0: Yeah. It's funny. Right before this, I watched C&T. Yeah. Yeah. Pool uh, yeah, one won. I was watching C&T and he was talking about, he, he has this great series. I think he did it last year too. He talks about different, every he goes position by position you know one video is one position and he talks about guys who are going to make the hall who who might make the hall and he talked about in first baseman Paul Goldschmidt is one yeah, yeah. you know from 2011 and there's a i mean there's a lot of other guys but i mean yeah you're right you just don't see i mean Clayton Kershaw is probably going to see a ton of value right and so is Verlander yeah but the you know pitchers tough but i think that like
1: the the, the 2010s before Acuña Soda to Peace, those guys are printed like a lot there's a lot of cards for those guys, but like, I bought a bunch of I got a bunch of
0: Mookie. Yeah, Mooks. Yeah. Mookie
1: Betts. Uh, I just sold my Manny Machado because I had to pay myself back for that Noelvi I bought. But um, I had a Manny Machado first Bowman auto from 2010, graded a PSA nine. It's 250. Like, Dang. like this Noelvi Marte that I bought. I bought him because he's a Mariner. If he has Manny Machado's career, I'm going to be thrilled, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: this card is way more
1: expensive than Manny.
0: Yeah, man. It's pretty crazy. But when you talk about the print runs, I mean, when you look at Trout, right, he just has 2011 tops. Now, there's also the Bowman prospects, you know, which I actually kind of like that card. I'm gonna, if I'm going to buy a Trout, it might be that card. But anyway, the point is there's not, you know, 25 different sets that are really sought after. When you look at the early 2010s, you're looking at players may have three cards. You know, they probably have a Bowman Chrome. They have a Topps one. They might have a Topps Chrome. And so when you see like, okay, yeah, the 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 pop report's high on a Mike Trout PSA. Yeah, but that's it. There's no more pop report, right? There's no more. You can go buy these 35 different other cards. You know, that, that's really it. So I think that's why you see the higher numbers. I always like to think of it not even as like
1: a, pop report or even like some people do market cap or whatever right like for yeah, that yeah i think of it like what is the where is this where in the pecking order of this guy's cards is this card so this steph curry is an eight five right like there are if you add up all of the psa nine i'm not pumping my steph curry has done for sale but if you add up all the PSA nines 9- Meanwhile
0: on Instagram, he's like Steph Curry for sale, come get it while it's hot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: if, you, uh, if you add up all the PSA nines, BGS nine fives, PSA tens, there's like two thousand cards that are better than this card. And and then you add up all of the other Steph Curry cards in existence, right? You've got his chrome. This is just paper. You got his chrome, you got the gold, and then a bunch of, you know, autos and stuff like that. Like, is this the 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 third or fourth thousandth best Steph Curry card in the world? Maybe like what is the 4,000th best Luca card? It's probably an auto. (laughs) It's probably a low numbered auto too. Probably a low numbered auto. He's got, he's probably got 4,000 cards labeled numbered to 99.
0: Yeah. You know, know, that's that's what he says. It's a great point because this is something I explored in a podcast a few weeks back. I mean, it's buried in the middle of a podcast. So like probably no one heard it, but I, I do uh, with the way you're going. That's really what I was thinking about because I've been looking at, you know, I'm doing my NFL Hall of Fame collection, trying to get any every NFL Hall of Fame or their rookie card. And I was trying to think like what to me is an acceptable grade and it varies by card. And so then that kind of led me down this path where I'm like, okay, if you take and now we're going to make this super simple, kind of your argument still, I think we're going old school, vintage football. So we're going to say every guy, they only have one rookie card, right? So that makes it super simple. We know what the pop report is. And if you break that pop report down into percentiles, then you say, okay, you know, the 95th percentile is a PSA nine, you know, and then you get down to the 60th percentile is a PSA five and the 45th is a PSA four. And then I say, well, I want a top half card. So then I look for a strong four or maybe a four or five or something. Right. And that's kind of how I've been kind of going through it. And I think it makes a lot of sense because instead of just saying, I have to have a PSA nine or bust, you can, you can, you can start to line things up and say, how good of a Steph Curry card do I want? You know, in in the realm of Steph Curry rookie cards, where do I want to be from a percentile perspective? Now, it gets a lot harder to figure that out, obviously, with the newer stuff, but for the vintage stuff, it's kind of simple. And even
1: if you look at it percentile, percentile is overly generous to guys who are printed a lot because the denominator is, like, bigger, right? So big, yeah. Yeah, so I like to look at it as just where would this card rank if we lined them all up from top to bottom? Because, like... Mm. If you, I, I agree. I watched that video. I love that video. That's kind of what got me thinking, sort of. But like, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think that there's a lot of opportunity for cards post junk wax and pre Jason Tatum.
0: <laughs> yeah, Jason Tatum and earlier. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good point. That's an interesting point too to say no. It should just be straight facts, homie. Like straight numbers, no denominator. That's interesting.
1: I don't know if that's true. It makes sense in my head. Whatever.
0: <laughs> well, I. To me, it definitely makes sense when you're looking at like Curry versus Donch. I think it's a great argument. I think it makes a lot of sense. Although we don't know how big the denominator is and we don't know how big the numerator would be either for a lot of this stuff. So, no, no. yeah, it's, it's also it, guessing
1: unless somebody puts in a lot of time to figure out. But I I do think that let, let's look at Luca, right? A top half Luca card is still maybe the 200,000th best Luca card, you know?
0: It's because he has it's, so many cards. it's probably higher than that it's yeah. probably significantly higher than that i would get i would i would guess it's way higher than i mean yeah. we might be talking a million you know i mean right exactly so i don't know like
1: uh, that's why i kind of like to look at it from just a raw perspective it, it, it makes you think of how overbodied this is because in the in the you know in basketball history who's going to go down as even if you're the highest luca believer right like you think that he's probably like on steph's level even a little better like, if you're, the, if you're wildly optimistic about him, like, his 2,000th best card should cost what Steph's 2,000th best card costs, right? And right, it's not I see,
0: yeah. That's an interesting, interesting perspective. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense, too, then why the the market's so bull right now, or so, excuse me, so bare, yeah. and why I really don't see it stopping. You know, I, I don't think we're at the bottom of this market. I think it's going to keep going down. But, and I guess I'll change that a little bit. You know, if we talked about market cap, which I know people don't like, but if we'd looked at the overall market value, like how much money's going in and out of the market, I don't know that it's going down as fast as prices are going down, if that makes sense. I I think the money's staying in certain spots on premium cards and things like that. People just aren't buying um the super liquid cards anymore just because they're too liquid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree.
1: I think um it's interesting you said that like I don't think money's leaving cards. But the problem is supply and demand demand is measured in dollars demand is like you know we we put money in from our paychecks if we stop putting money in from our paychecks the demand stays flat and we move around that money between different types of cards but unless we keep adding money they're always adding cards right we the the population needs to add money to match it otherwise things will go down on the whole now you might pick something specific that stays up but yeah uh, supply
0: is increasing so demand needs to increase just to stay flat
3: that's
0: why a lot of these old heads are like man i'm not buying any of this new shit and they're talking about like post 1994 or something (laughs) and you know it turns out maybe these guys were right you know maybe that's the way we should be doing
1: i think i think you're probably right being a little bit of a bear on this market like I, i was debating whether i was going to sell that machado card and i'm just like man like i think that they're all probably on their way down and and i want to have some more money I, I wasn't around during this dead air that you talked about yeah. and i'm always super like i'm just like man if i was if i was back there i could have bought trouts for whatever and i could have done this or that And i'm like well there's gonna be another one so like maybe
0: i should just save cash <laughs> and be ready for it
1: but I like, I'm having too much fun. That's the problem is I'm Yeah. Having-
0: I mean, if you're in it, you know, if you find yourself in the hobby for the long haul, my best advice after, you know, being in it for some time is, you know, buy cards you enjoy and hold on to them and you're, you're going to be much happier. You know, I, I made for a long time, I did buy cards I enjoyed, but I was very happy. I, I would easily move off of them. And it's because, you know, in that dead era that, you know, I talk about, you just, you you learned, I grew to learn that, the cards will always be available again and they will always be available for cheaper. That's <laughs> how it worked. And, um, you know, now that, you know, bit me in the ass, unfortunately, you know? Yeah. And, but yeah, so yeah, stick to buying the stuff you like. I mean, and, you know, I had that collection I had that discussion with Gregory and it was so good. He talked about li- li- living with art that he enjoys and, you know, it brings, you know, en- enjoyment to him. And now as I've put better and cards on my desk cards that I really focused on and figured out like, this was a card I wanted in my collection. You know, it really adds something. When I look at it, I'm like, man, I, I took time. I thought about, I want that United game New jersey. You know, then I went and found one, worked a deal, got a good deal, and I said, all right, let's go. I want that Peyton Manning auto. You know, and I think, I don't know. For me, that's the mentality I, I'm going to try to continue to maintain.
1: Yeah, I like that. I like that. I'm, ex- I mean, I don't want my collection value to go down. I, I I'm never going to like take money out of this to pay bills or anything. But like, it's cool to flex like a valuable collection, but. I'm kind of excited for it to go down because like if I ever want to have a, a, a $50,000 card collection, like it needs to go down because I can't afford to just insert $50,000 into this. it going to take a long time, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You need yeah. a little bit of volatility added. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Uh, I'm kind of cool. I've, I've made my peace with whatever happens. I like, uh, I, I, as the the day I got into the hobby, I was like, I'm going to make, you know, five year plays instead of one year plays and, and, or six month plays. And, and I started doing that. And then I realized that that's so expensive because you never sell anything. Exactly. And so, and so I'll, that's what this Keldon Johnson thing was. I'm like, okay, so like, what's a, what's a one year play I can make. And I started buying Keldon Johnson, you know, probably a calendar year ago, like middle of last season. And, uh, Made some money and then reinvested all of it like a moron, but uh (laughs) had the right idea
0: right (laughs) until you didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Well, you know, I did that October three hundred dollar, two hundred dollar challenge and I've actually sold quite a bit of it. I just basically took two hundred bucks and I said, I'm gonna buy cards with this two hundred dollars and the sole purpose and intent of these two hundred dollars I'm gonna spend is to make the most money I can over the next three months. A little bit of a cash influx, like you said. Yeah. And it's actually gone pretty good. You know, when you sit down and try, really try to think about the next three months and then you really start to go do your research, because I feel like when you when you shorten your window down that short, then it keeps you really focused because you're like, okay, three months only. You know, this sport's going to be buying. This sport's going to be selling. You know, and you kind of look at it like that. And you realize what you need to buy now so that you can sell over the next 90 days. And then it's just, it's just a matter of Googling who's the most underrated NBA fantasy player. You know, shit like that. That's how I came up with OG Anubi. And guess what? I made some money on OG Anubi, you know?
1: I consume a ton of – so so. I think if, if you ask me what, like, my sports expertise is, it's, like, like 2010 baseball and, like, right now basketball. I watch a ton of NBA. I, I consume a lot of content, and, like, I wanted to buy OG Ananobi. I believed in him a lot. I just believed in Keldon Johnson more, so I couldn't explain to myself. I'm like, why would I spend this much on OG when I right. could spend it on Keldon? And then – because I thought, okay, Spurs guys loon to shoot. Like, that's a thing that happens all the time with the Spurs. They've got the same coaching staff forever. So, like, he's going to learn to shoot. DeRozan's going to leave. I was all excited for all that. DeRozan left. He made the freaking Olympic team. I was I was like, okay, this is going to be a big year for him. And I still
0: think it is. No one's going to know. He's going to disappear in the yeah. same you know, so. I, the t- The biggest thing I would say, the reason to put money in both, because I put money in both, is yep. diversification. <laughs> I I made money on OG Anubi, so I've got my money back already for all my investments, and now I can go use that. And then when I'm ready to sell the Kelvin, it's sitting there to sell. You know, that's it. I I agree. I mean, that's the smart thing to do, but like, (laughs) we're not here to be smart, though, are we? We're here to have fun. No,
1: but but serious, but seriously, like, if I want my diversification is the money I have in you know the S and P 500. You know, like this is my gambling money, really. Like, you know, yeah, that's fair too. yeah, no, sorry, keep going, keep going. No, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to make 20% on Kelvin Johnson, right? I'm trying right. to make yeah. 150,
0: 200%, otherwise, like, I don't know, yeah. Well, you know, flipping Steve talks about this, and I kind of, you know, I don't know where he, he, probably out of his ass is where he pulled these numbers, but I like him. And, you know, I, why I talk about flipping, you know, it's over, it's dead, and, you know, whether, whatever, you can say it is or it isn't. I don't really care, but what I do think is alive and well is prospecting. I think that's where the money is, is to be made. And what Steve talked about is like, basically, if, if you're going to put money into, some, you know, some guys that you want to make some money on, and he's really talking more about flipping, but he's like, put money into five guys, and then two of them hit, you're you're in the clear. And then that's what that I mean, that was a recent video, like within the last six months that he did. And yep. man, it dawned on me, I was like, yeah, that's the way you got to do it. And I actually used that for my October 200 idea, because I was like, I'm not going to put 200 into one guy, I know, I want it to be diversified. Yes, across right. a couple different sports and a few different players. And it certainly helped because Already, here we are a month and a half, late. really just a month later, and I've already sold and made, you know, 30 bucks a profit. You know, I probably have already recouped 120 bucks of my 200 and really just sold some of the lower end stuff. So
1: Yeah, I think that's smart. Like it, you buy five guys, right? You lose 20% on three of them and you make 200% on exactly. two of them. Exactly, you're, you're doing fine. Yeah. You lost money on your Kelvin Johnson, but you made up for it. And then some with OG. I'm, I'm right. Doing right. So like yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And the cool thing about prospecting, right? I very start of this video, why did I want to do cards? I want to be right about stuff. Yeah. So like it's easy for me to buy LeBron James and say like yeah, I was right that LeBron James is good. Like
0: yeah, Neo, it's easy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's not
0: easy to okay, that's not fair. But like, <laughs> but like you don't. Know no, no, to, no. I got what you mean. I, was I got into it. this to show off what I know about basketball.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know? And so, like, betting on LeBron, it's like, okay, yeah, you're real smart. But, like, betting on <laughs> – betting on Kelton Johnson, you can show everybody that you're a moron. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I love that. Yeah, because usually every year going into football, i usually pick two quarterbacks that I really like and then buy them. And I probably need to stop doing that after two of Jalen Hurts. You know, that's – <laughs> <laughs> no, I probably should just stop buying quarterbacks. Two of Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz, Sam Boy, We're having a good time over here. Definitely We're making alone. money in football in this house. My goodness.
1: I – I, it's easy to say now. I don't. I don't know hardly any. I don't think I own a football card. Um, I, I watch a. I watch my Seahawks and I play my fantasy football. But like that's where I get my football fix. Is my football prospecting fix? I guess is fantasy. But like, yeah, I don't know a lot of football. But if I did, I I was ri- I was all locked and loaded to buy a Lamar Jackson. Yeah. You know? i was ready to go and then the COVID stuff scared me off i was like oh he doesn't he doesn't want the shot like he's gonna miss a bunch of games i don't know so i i backed off and it,
0: it's probably fine i'm he. i, I probably could have a little, little bit of lamar there there's an orange. how hey. about this on star stock actually for 250 i think it's numbered to 249 bgs9 i pro i mean so i don't i just don't get the same
1: joy from football cards i don't know why yeah, yeah. everybody's got their own thing man but fun. like. The, the fundamentals of football cards seem way better than basketball and baseball. The populations are lower. Oh yeah. Football already has like this built in gambling fantasy aspect to it. that Everybody just plays. Like I'm in three fantasy football leagues. So There's 36 people or 38. Cause one of them is a big league. And like, I'm the only one who does cards. Like it, when, you know, whatever we say about fanatics or whatever, but like, if half the people
0: playing fantasy football get into cards, this thing's going to the moon. Oh, my God. If half get in, we're going to fucking Jupiter. We might go to a <laughs> whole other galaxy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I, think, I, I don't know. I feel like the football market, like if I'm a bear on baseball and basketball, I'm maybe – I'm probably most bullish on football. I should probably own some football cards.
0: I mean that's basically all I'm buying now. I still buy some baseball stuff, and I think baseball might be the best for prospecting because you can get so many guys just for dirt cheap, and then you get stupid lucky once, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I'm all about the football stuff. I mean, that's why I bought the Namath back there. I don't buy $2,000 cards. It's not something I do. But when I was looking at, I was just looking at some stats and stuff. And I'm like, it doesn't make sense to me that this is a $2,000 card. Like this is a really good, nice condition, you know, uh, uh, copy, whatever, uh, nice condition example of one of, uh, one of, if not the most iconic football card, it doesn't make any sense to me that we're talking about two grand. When you look at the other two sports and you'd be talking about, you know, 20, 30, 40 grand, who knows? Part of me wonders if
1: it's because there's other outlets for like betting on these guys, as opposed to you know what I mean. I, but That's I don't a good know. point. Well, baseball's got the built-in nostalgia factor. Like baseball cards, just they go together. Yeah. But the baseball side, to me, it feels like it's very financially driven, and and it's probably because I don't have thirty six friends that want to play fantasy basketball with me. You know what I mean? I, I, I have lots of people who want to sit down on a
0: Sunday and play fantasy football with me, but not. Yeah and it's much more daily driven you know it's a much more there's a lot more hustle opportunity with basketball because they play so frequently yeah 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 that's true too i mean football's kind of cool from that perspective because when they have a good game
1: everybody knows about it yeah i'm i'm nervous that you know kelvin johnson's gonna have a 30 point week he's gonna you know go off in the middle no one's gonna care yeah but like
0: Tuesday in Indiana, Thursday in Charlotte, you know, Friday and wherever. And no, one, no one's going to be like, what? I didn't even know San Antonio was playing games. Right.
1: Exactly. But, like, football, if you have a good game, your quarterback, everybody knows about it because they're playing fantasy
0: or whatever. But you have any uh, vintage stuff? I mean, are you got any Griffey stuff? What are you, what are you looking at?
1: I've got some Griffey. I, I, I have a Topps Griffey. That, that was actually a card maybe I bought, like, five, six years ago um, just because I was like, oh, i would be cool to have a Griffey baseball card. I opened up some '89 Donruss, like a few boxes early in the, or like kind of like around the holidays, maybe. Um, got a couple Griffies out of that, some Randy Johnson, you know, stuff like that. But nothing worth anything, nothing slabbed. I, I haven't bought my Griffy upper deck; It's expensive, and and I, I know I can
0: get that anytime I need to. <laughs> so. A fun one, man. If you're ever interested, in, I don't know. You may or may not be. I bought. I picked this up in a SGC '75. I think it was an. I think it's nineteen ninety, but it is stamped rookie. It's a Toys R Us, Ken Griffey Jr. It's a pretty cool little card, man. I like the colors on it, you know, and it's Toys R Us. It's pretty nostalgic.
1: Yeah, so that's cool. That's cool. I saw this um I saw some on Twitter. I don't know if it's real, but I saw this like Pokemon looking Project 70 Griffey card. Mm-hmm. It's so like ken griffey jr is like a pokemon i need
0: to have that card oh man i have to check that out man they come up with some crazy good stuff it, in that project. it 70. looks
1: like it's a total ripoff off of pokemon but they they like obfuscated the the design just enough to like not get sued <laughs> so I'm supporting that but i'm i'm definitely gonna buy that card once it settles down um yeah anyway yeah so i i need some griffey for sure i need a. Uh, I need a little bit better uh older mariners collection yeah but Vintage. I've got a. I've got a. Kel- I've got some Kellogg's. Uh, John Stockton autos. Hey, they, that's sweet.
0: In person autograph. That was pretty cool. Um, actually, got a. I got a little stack of them. Do you, no, Do you have anything else oddball that's off the side of like a not Pokemon or is it just Pokemon?
1: No, I'm. I'm. I'm pretty into like. So I feel weird. I jumped on the bandwagon for sports cars. I jumped. I'm. I'm kind of this basic. Uh, basic white guy now where i'm just like i'm watching all these marvel shows and stuff like that so i'd love to get some comics i don't have any like valuable comics i'm trying to think what else i've got laying around now nah, i'd probably say mostly just sports and then pokemon that's not worth anything i sold most of my pokemon at kind of the top hey that's not, good not from my collection i was like a flipping pokemon i was actually probably way more successful flipping pokemon than i was sports cards pokemon people really love the cards And uh, a lot of times they'll, like, pay through the nose to get these (laughs) cards. But, yeah, they're – yeah. I think um, if I'm bearish on uh, sports, this is weird because you don't want to talk about Pokemon, but I am bullish on Pokemon just because of demographics. I think, like, no one collecting Pokemon is older than 35, and, like, they don't have their, like – disposable
0: income all figured out yet. You that's, know? I think the same thing because so much of this boom, and I can see it through my YouTube statistics, right? I can see who's watching my YouTube and it, no one in our, no one up to 30 is watching my videos. It's 35 to 45. This, that is the, that's the area where people are watching. I'm 30, so. Yeah, I, I'm I mean, I'm 32, but I mean, <laughs> that's still five, that's still five years younger though. And then, so when I think about it, I'm like, okay, what was, what were we doing? That's going to be worth a lot of money in five, 10 years when people start to have some more money that's our age. And I think Pokemon cards might be the thing. Remember? I promise you, my kid, like, like I'm, I'm gonna at least give it a shot
1: at introducing him to that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And when he's twelve, what are we gonna be buying together? We're gonna be buying Pokemon cards, probably. And I don't know. That's one of the things that makes me nervous
0: about baseball. Right? It's just like, what is this? How popular is the sport even? And I it think it's they, getting better though. Be, uh, this you know, I, I call it the golden age of young talent for base. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, it's insane. How made uh, you know, these young players, I mean, they're amazing. And they actually, uh, our <laughs> analytics are ruining the game though. Yeah. <laughs> nah, Tatis is going to overdo, you know, overshadow analytics. And like, I don't know, man, they just do, they, they have so much personality and they're really letting it show. They're really pushing back against this. You got to be super stodgy when you're on the field. So stupid, man. And nice. then, uh, yeah, I mean, the opposite of trout, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just not Which, enough.
0: Yeah. It? It looks like a giant thumb. I'm not a big Angels guy, so yeah, cool <laughs> Angels. I mean, but Trout. I mean, Trout seems like a nice guy. He just seeming seems to be legitimately just kind of a quiet person, and baseball really needs loud personalities at the top, for sure. For sure, I agree with you there.
1: But yeah, uh, th- go ahead. I just think the demographics on some of those things. It makes me wonder. Like, uh the guy who got me into this is my my brother in law. He's 17, 18 years old. Like these Fortnite cards or whatever man like i don't know 30 years from now like what's he gonna be collecting because he pokemon's not important to him sports cards probably wouldn't be important to him like i don't know you always wonder
0: yeah i don't know because you you don't know how much that stuff was printed and then who knows man what uh what's this look like for you long term you said you know you just basically started with the pandemic like a lot of people did and you know, but you're still in it and still sticking around, you haven't left, so I mean, what are you thinking about this hobby long term like for your for you for you what does it mean long
1: term yeah so i'm I'm in it for the long haul for sure like so people always say like I don't know if these investor types are gonna stick around like I can tell you from my experience, I'm sticking around so like uh yeah i I came in the pandemic i think um you know there's a lot of these forty five year old dudes watching your videos are are were chasing eighty nine griffy up upper deck, you know and uh they were bandwagoners at their time too and now they're back years after years you know what i mean so like, yeah i think uh I-, I think a lot of us are sticking around i don't know too many other collectors we're here in eastern washington there's not a lot of not a lot of people to talk to about this
0: but i got i know i'm sticking around i'll be around i'll be buying the next dead era and then heck yeah Man, yeah. I talk about that dead air, and you get excited, man. You're like, oh, my God, bring it back. <laughs> I'm ready, man. I'm ready. I, gotta,
1: I probably should sell some cards so I can have some money. I spent too much money on this stuff, man.
0: I think there's a lot of things that have changed since you know, me growing up with cards. It is important that kids get involved, and a lot of people, oh, they got to be able to buy boxes. I think the most important thing, the best thing for the sports card industry, hobby, whatever, is social media because it lets you flex your collection. And not even flex in like this arrogant way, but like in a, like you have a card that you would, I mean, I basically started my, you know, YouTube channel because I'm like, I enjoy cards and I don't want, I'm tired of just, you know, sitting in my room and looking at them by myself. Let me share them with other people, you know? And it's, it's a, it's so great that you can share it with the hobby and you can, you know, share a picture to Twitter and get 25 likes. And you're like, yeah, people like my card, you know, like, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's just, I actually think social media is good for the hobby. If I don't, even if I don't like social media that much, dude, I, I, uh. I have an Instagram. I think I've posted
1: three times on it, and then I just use it to PM people who I I think might match their eBay handle or something. So. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I uh, I'm with you there, man. I the whole point. I mean, as as bad as it is to say, people say ah, I like the art. You know, I like to look at it. I think that's true for a lot of people. I, this is bad to say, but for me, it is a flex. Like it's it. I want to show this off to people. Like the art is cool, but like you you can get the art just by look this is the classic trope it's just cardboard you can print it out and you have the art there's something about the exclusivity of it that matters it really matters and so like uh yeah i think the whole point is to flex that's why i just you know you gotta buy cards of players not just that are good players that are cool and like players that you want to show off like Deshaun Watson gets cleared to play tomorrow. It's like, why do you want that card?
0: <laughs> right, yeah. Well, it's a good point. I mean, even adding, you know, you're talking about that too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you're talking more about the player perspective, but I think it works for the card perspective too because you're like, I don't care about the art. But I would say that it matters. Not that like, oh, the art's overwhelming, but like, you know, if, you, if you've got a card that is attractive and then it's also rare, well, yes. now you're cooking. You know, that's the special sauce. You know, that's what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah there's a lot of things that are both ugly and rare and, and, uh, what, yeah, you
0: don't want to show those off. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's not the stuff people's going to go after. And that, that's what, <clears throat> at least in this, like, uh, I'm searching through my, the, the other collection I'm doing is NFL 100, you know, autos and jerseys. And what I learned was it's funny. I was just talking to somebody else about this. They were, they were pinging me and they were like, Hey, should I buy this card for 50 bucks? And it was just like a, a, a basic patch, but of a, of a hall of famer, like Walter Payton or something. And I said no because for $150, I know that's 100 more dollars. I know it's three times what we just talked about. But from $50, you get this basic thing. At $150, you get something that's actually pretty special. And like I understand, it's more money, but that that to me, that $100 more is totally worth making it a, a truly special card. You know that is actually rare, or unique because it's got two colors or short print or whatever it is. Um, and so I, I don't know. I think I hope people start focusing more on that for their collection instead of just bulk buying well at least for myself anyway I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I was ripping a lot or not a lot. I when I could get wax I'd either I'd either rip it or I'd hang on to it and then sell some to maybe pay for what I ripped or whatever. But man, it it takes up a lot of space if you're ripping boxes
0: and stuff. Yeah, like that. that's another thing too, space, man. That's why I sent all my shit to Comsee and that has been a blessing because I just got it out. I don't have to deal with it anymore. It's nice to not fiddle through my cards, you know. Like, I don't know how many cards you got, man, but I know, like, I'm looking for a card and I have to go look through 10,000 cards to get there, you know. But when you sell, send off stuff to Comcy, it's like, okay, I don't have to look through near so many cards.
1: Yeah, I'm not even close. Like, my, my, I have a box of like hits, I guess I'd say, like, rookie yeah. stuff like that. And that, that's all I got. So, uh, yeah. I mean, that's you what I'm trying to... to? Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. That's what I'm trying to get down to. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about, uh, uh, Comcy and, you know, you've been talking about Star Stock a little. There was a point I wanted to make, I forgot to talk about, but the uh, Stock is an awesome place to buy right now, man. I've been I've had some really good luck buying Starstock bees, sending them home and and I felt gross about it at first, right like I I would I would be like, "Is it okay to buy a Starstock bee and throw it up on eBay? like knowing that it's a bee? And then I bought some cards off of eBay, I had some paper Julio and and stuff like that, and I sent them all and they got B's and C's. And I was like, those cards were nice. And I bought them off eBay and I was not upset. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm buying these bees and I'm sending them home and I'm going to sell them on eBay, I guess. Like not a, not a scale or
0: anything. Maybe that's still kind of dirty, but no, it's not dirty at all. People ask me a lot about that. Like basically the conscience of, of doing that. And I'm like, my guys, it doesn't matter. I don't care what anybody says it is. I mean, even the grades from graders are, you know, not a hundred percent accurate. So like all you, you buy the card, you take good pictures, and you share I mean, this is the card. and You let people make up their minds for themselves. I mean, I've been talking about it for a long time. That's been my whole pitch is bees are super undervalued on Star Stock because those are actually really nice cards. I bought a – so I've, I've done really well with
1: this. So right now, I've, yeah, I bought an Anthony Volpe a gold shimmer something or other. I didn't – I'm not a Yankee guy. I didn't really want an Anthony Volpe. It was like 80 bucks. And I bought it on Starstock. It sold for four fifty. When when I sent it home, like my goodness, and it had print lines. And I mentioned the print lines. The guy just clicked the bin at four fifty, and like I, I I don't know what. Like I, I almost wanted to message him. Like, are you sure?
0: Like, <laughs> I just no, threw it up, way over
1: yeah. comps, and dude bought it. So yeah,
2: I no,
0: it's a great point too. I mean, the bees. I think under I agree with you there, and I think that you know I. I haven't really shit on Starstock. I'm just saying that it's a wasteland. Oh, yeah. And yeah. That's you know, it's, it's what happened. People there's not movement that there's no offer. But that make that means it's a great buying opportunity. And, and go ahead.
1: If you're starting out right now and, and you like have some time, I, I have some autographs, some Bowman Chrome autos, purple, whatever, weird, obscure parallels that people won't search for. Like on Starstock, you know, but for every one person on Starstock, there's a thousand on eBay. And and that'll get searched for on eBay. People will find it. Like, yeah. People are desperate to sell their cards on Starstock right now. Like, I got these weird purple Bowman autos. I'm like, I don't even know who the player was. I googled him. I'm like, okay, he's 19. He's in high A. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll take a shot at this guy. I was looking, and then I looked up his comps, and I'm like, okay, this card right now goes for, it's thirty dollars on Starstock. It's a purple autograph first Bowman, and the last three sales are eighty bucks. And money. And it's just like. Like you just, you, that's the grind I would be on. If I was just starting out, I'm still on that grind. That's, that's how I fund. Like, I, I feel like I made it seem like I have a pretty expensive collection. You've seen all my expensive cards. On this <laughs> we right? saw the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still trying to make 20 bucks or whatever here and there for sure. And it's, it's, it's not hard. And star stock
0: has just phenomenal customer service. They get you your cards quick. They, they do. Know. I agree. And yeah, the cards are coming back quick, which is a big deal when you're trying to do this stuff. And I was just talking about this on the Friday live stream. I was like, guys, like, I'm really trying to save up money on StarStock because when that – the next sub from PSA comes back, that shit is going to be dirt cheap. I mean because like you said, people are so motivated to sell. I think people are just going to liquidate that stuff as soon as it hits.
1: I got to think, like,
0: who are those people
1: though? Because why wouldn't you just send it home? It's so cheap to send home graded cards and fast, you know? Like –
0: it depends. I mean, I, I still think there's a lot of people who probably leaving the hobby and they probably got, I that's think true. there's people who are still around because they've got cards at PSA, whether it's by themselves or with StarStock or whatever. And yeah. I think they're just kind of waiting to get that stuff to sell it. The people who sent it by themselves though, they're going to be hurting because they still have to pay the bill. At least with StarStock, you already paid. So. Yeah, that's true.
1: That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, yeah, I think you're right. The supply is about to hit on StarStock
0: specifically and, and the demand's still super low. So it just means low prices. Yeah. I've been saving up cash for that because I think it's going to be a great opportunity. And, and a lot of my October 200 that I've talked about a couple of times now was exactly what you said. It was star stock bees that I shipped home because I was like, this just seems stupid cheap. I bought Deandre Hopkins tops, Chrome refractor rookie 20 bucks all day, 40 bucks on eBay. You know, it's just like, all right, that's an easy flip. Let's go.
1: And, and it's, and it's the weird parallels that people won't search for. That's what I oh, mean. Yeah. You, you pick a player, you pick a weird parallel and, and, Cause there is no auction feature. So there's nothing motivating
0: people to buy it. Then you throw it up on eBay and there's just way more. eyes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Agree. All right, Ben, it has been an absolute pleasure to get to meet you and get to talk to you brother.
1: Thanks Dakota. I appreciate it, man.
0: What, uh, you got anything else you want to say to the good people before we call this?
1: No, I've, maybe just to you. I mean, I really appreciate all your stuff. I think, I think I love your kind of, this is the engineer talking. I love your like analytical approach but with you got a
0: lot of like you know heart and soul in it too. I think it's, yeah. a, it's a good blend, man. I thanks, it. man. No, I appreciate that. I enjoy cards. I'm a nerd for it, but uh, I'm also a nerd for like an analytics. So, fuck it. Let's just go full board, you know? Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> 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 all right, brother. Thanks so much. Is you want to do you have a Twitter and IG you want to share with the people? Uh, yeah. I guess I'll throw my IG where I've posted all of four times and maybe I'll post some more. So, I'm
1: at um Tinkerpot Collects. That's my don't worry about it. It's a weird, uh,
0: reference. (laughs) It's bizarre, but yeah, that's me on eBay and Twitter. You can come find me. Go check him out. If you want to buy some of his Jason Tatum base optics. (laughs) All right. Thanks brother. Appreciate it, man. Thank you.